and welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and we are less than a month until the bumper local elections, dubbed by some as Super Thursday, we'll all go to the polls on May the 6th um, to, well, take part in a massive election, really, with some delayed from last year, council seats, police and crime commissioners, there are elections in Scotland and Wales and um, we're also electing the first mayor in West Yorkshire so there's lots going on so I've asked uh, Tory peer and elections expert Lord Robert Haywood to come on the podcast this week and really give us some independent analysis and insight into really what's going on in these elections and which seats and wards and councils we should be focusing on so let's hear what he has to say. So I'm really excited about our guest this week because it is uh, Lord Robert Hayward, who, oh, what do we call you, Robert? Are you elections expert, polling polling kind of expert? What what would we call you? Normally it's elections expert, polling analyst, uh, something. Tory here and elections expert is normally what people fall to. That's the shorthand. But yes, you are, well, you are an elections expert and we are coming up to, we're less than a month away now from really the biggest set of elections we've seen for a while, because we've got, what, councils, we've got PCCs, we've got elections in Scotland, we've got mayoralities, so it's massive. And, of course, it's also some that were delayed from last year. So you've had your work out for you this year trying to predict this one, I imagine. It's been fun because, (laughs) as you've identified, it's the sheer range of elections that we've got uh, this year. It's not in terms of number of people being elected the largest, but it is the range of different roles that one's looking at um, that makes it so special this year because it's two years roll, roll into one. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't envy the job of the uh, of the um, you know returning officers this year, that's for sure. So, I mean, give, kick us off. Tell us a bit about what your kind of your numbers are saying, what you're thinking we might see on um, on May 6th. The- The first key thing is to remember that these are repeats of elections that were held in 2016 Mm. and 2017. In 2016, you were in a very different state of affairs from 2017. 2017, uh, 2016, Conservatives were just in the lead. 2017, the Tories had an enormous lead and did unbelievably well in the local elections, only to fall completely flat on their face in the Mm. general election only a few weeks later. So one has to remember that. You then look at the different sequence of of elections. And my expectation is that the Conservatives will probably just about hold their own on the 2016 contests, possibly advance somewhat, on the 2017, they should go backwards. Um, and it's a combination of those factors, plus by-elections, and as you said, Scottish elections as well, uh, that makes it such a daunting but interesting for geeks like me uh, occasion. Geeks like me as well. I'm in that, I'm in that camp too, so don't you worry. Um, it's a, it, that's a really interesting analysis because I've been you know, speaking to various people, obviously, for for the last few weeks on these elections. And one of them was a Conservative co-chairman, Amanda Milling, who really didn't sound overly positive, if I'm honest. She pretty much said to me, you know, 
we are, this is defensive elections for us and we are expecting to lose seats. Is that the kind of thing you're hearing as well? Right. I think there's, as with any party in the run-up to an election, a fair amount of expectation management going <laughs> um, Scotland in itself, which is probably constitutionally the most important election, I think it's fair to say that all the unionist parties face a problem, and that's genuine. But in England and Wales, there's no question that there is expectation management. But against 2017, mm. the Conservatives may well lose control of Lancashire, of Nottinghamshire County Councils, possibly even Derbyshire, uh, go backwards in Northumberland, where in each of those, which were in many ways precursors, as was Yorkshire, for the Red Wall general election of 2019, the local elections in 2017 gave us the first indications of what might happen. And therefore, it's reasonable for her to remind people that actually they've got some stiff defences on, on their hands, but equally the Labour Party are going through the same process, saying, oh, no, we can't take Teesside morality, we can't take the West Midlands morality, we've got difficulties. So all the parties are doing the same thing. Yeah, you're completely right. It, that's exactly what I've been hearing from Labour as well, of them saying, oh, it's a tough election for us. And you mentioned a couple of bits there, which I want to get on to about kind of how the red slash blue wall plays into this and things like that. But first off, our, the, the, the expectation management we were just talking about, is a lot of that down to coronavirus? Because it has made these elections difficult for candidates, right? It's made, made electioneering very difficult. It's even made preparation for elections difficult. The returning officers have a massive task on their hands to run polling stations open to the public is an enormous exercise in itself. To have very much larger numbers of postal votes than expect the normal is huge. And then, of course, they've got all the different elections taking place on the same day. And therefore, the, the process of counting them afterwards is going to be enormous. So yeah. COVID had an impact for what in what many people will see as unseen ways. For the candidates, the law has changed so that they don't have to get so many signatures to be a candidate from 10 yeah. down to two. May seem small, but in areas where you don't have known support, it's quite an effort to get the signatures. So there's been all sorts of little changes and they impact on the campaigns quite markedly. The most mm. public one is that candidates will meet relatively few electors face-to-face. -face. Yeah, absolutely. And I know from speaking to the Lib Dems in particular that that's been, you know, quite a big concern for them because, well, what they would say, and I obviously do not work as a Lib Dem press officer, but what they would say is that one of their, um, you know, big, big things is that they try and keep in touch throughout an election or cycle you know for all, all year they don't just pop up when there's an election they say um but that has made it very difficult for them is what they're saying because they haven't been able to stay in touch they haven't been able to knock on doors and they haven't been able to deliver their leaflets up until very very recently i think that's a fair assessment both the lib dems and the greens do probably in their areas whatever their areas are they out deliver labor and conservatives uh, throughout the year. 
So they are facing a, a difficulty, um, but it's a, a difficulty that all candidates are facing and have done for months. Sitting councillors, some of whom have very, very high reputations as being good servants of the local community, just have not been able to be out there of whatever political persuasion they may happen to be. So it's been a difficult time for the last year for all people in local government. Yeah, it has. And I'm going to get on to what we're looking at in Yorkshire in just a second. But just on my last thing on COVID, do you think that it's going to affect turnout? Not so much in people actually getting out to vote, but do people care? Or are they just too bothered about getting back in the pub? <laughs> I think people do care that up to a point. The mm. turnout is obviously much lower than it is for a general election. Mm. You would get 70% odd in a general election and about 35% in a local election, about half that number. The big change is going to come in terms of the numbers that are of votes that are cast by post. A lot of councils have made a lot of effort to get people to cast their votes by post. And therefore, whereas normally about a third of all the votes that are cast for an election at local government level are cast by post. My guess is that, and it is only a guess, but I reckon somewhere 50 to 60% of all the votes that are cast this time round will be cast uh, by post. Hmm. And like you say, that kind of delay in, in the counting and things like that, I know that usually, you know, people like myself would be up all night with a bag of Harry bow waiting for the results to come in but this time it's spread over three days I think I'm going to need a few more bags of sweets I had a member of parliament the other day say I he was telling me what his hopes were for the Thursday night Friday he said he hoped to wake up on Friday morning with and I had a he wouldn't be asleep but b I had to say to him you won't have any results on Friday morning and he suddenly thought oh yes I won't now, this is somebody who's not out of touch. It was just a reflex reaction of conversation to say, well, this is what I expect to get on Friday morning. Um, and as you say, the projections of what will be counted in what order when means that the likes of you and I uh, and my political opponents and fellow analysts will be doing things for three or four days. And that's assuming things go smoothly, mm -hmm. which given, as you say in, I, earlier, the number of different posts for which there are elections, most local authorities will only have enough for two ballot boxes in one polling station. Yeah. Now, if they've, if they've got ballots for more than two roles, which very large numbers of local authorities have, then there's going to be votes mixed up. So the first and fairly lengthy process will be to check that all the right ballots are in the right piles before you can even start sorting them into uh, different political parties' uh, votes. Yeah, and I don't think people realise how much of that goes on behind the scenes in a normal election either. Before um, 
before I became a journalist, so when I was still a student, I um, helped out at some election camps because I've always been an elections geek. Um, But there's a lot of admin that goes on, you know, whether it's the postal votes, you've got to match up signatures beforehand before they're even counted, don't you? And then, yeah, before you actually even even get to the counting, there's a lot to do. So, yeah, you're quite right. I don't... Well, as we sit here now, all the returning officers will be in serious discussions with printers up and down the country. Mm-hmm. Now, they will have agreed previously who is going to print the ballot papers. And they will already have printed the supporting envelopes to go with the postal votes. Mm-hmm. But to ensure that each candidate's description is correct on the ballot papers, and then to get them printed in the right numbers and back in time so that the postal votes can be sent out, etc. As you say, it's a big task even before one gets to election day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I want to have a chat a bit about Yorkshire. And, you know, we've we've spoken about this and we spoke about um, the kind of red or the blue, however you want to call it, wall earlier. It seems to me, from the figures that you've uh, produced, that... Really, the Conservatives are looking to bolster their wins they had in 2019 general election. Is that is that pretty much the picture? There's no question. Boris Johnson has talked about levelling up. He, clearly, part of that levelling up is providing finance and attention to whether it be Yorkshire or the North East or certain parts of the West and East Midlands. Um, but if you're saying that you're going to do that, the Conservative Party have an obligation to say, well, we actually want to represent you all. So whereas previously in places like Rotherham and Doncaster and just over the border in Mansfield and Ashfield, the Conservatives have actually had a lot of empty spaces when it's come to candidacies. They've put clearly put a big effort in ensuring that the first stage of the election is they've got the candidates so that the new MPs for bits of Sheffield, Rotherham, Barnsley, Doncaster and the like uh, can say, we're here, we're fighting at ground level, uh, now elect us. Yeah, and, you know, I, I told you that I spoke to Amanda Milling earlier. She was in Yorkshire last week on the on the campaign trail and she was, you know, door knocking in Rotherham with new Rother Valley MP Alexander Stafford. So I guess that's just an example of exactly where the resource is going. Yes, every single council seat that is up for election in Alexander Stafford's constituency has a Conservative candidate, as far as I can check. Now, I don't know when that last happened, but it was a long time ago. Um, So, yeah, it's an indication of the shift of attention for the Conservative Party. And... Because the elections in Rotherham and Doncaster broadly relate, and Sheffield and Leeds and everywhere else, broadly relate to 2016, Mm. which wasn't as good a year for the Tories as 2017 was, then the Labour Party will be more on the defensive in those sorts of areas. I wouldn't expect massive Conservative gains, but clearly the Tory party will be disappointed if they don't make some gains. Yeah, I'm just looking at the at the figures that you put together here. So in, in 2017, 
that the Conservatives uh, contested 28 out of the 55 seats in Doncaster. Now it's uh, 54 out of 55 this year. And of course, in Don Valley, um, we've had Nick Fletcher, who's the new Conservative MP there. And then similarly in Rotherham, it was 23 out of 63 in 2017 and is now 42 out of 59. There are some more wards and um, fewer councillors. And yeah, like we say, we've had Alex Stafford win a seat there. And then in Sheffield, it was uh, 53 out of 84 and now is 29 out of all 29. There's a third of the seats up and they've had Miriam Cates in Peniston and Stocksbridge elected. So I think your, uh, you know, your analysis there does clearly ring true. I mean, does it does it make much difference if there's a Conservative MP in the area to these local elections, do you think? Oh, yes. Uh, there's no question. You've got a Conservative presence. Yeah. And you are dealing with the casework. And it occurred to me that in a place like Rotherham or Doncaster or Barnsley, you have to go back a long time for a Conservative MP. And therefore, for people to have experienced a Conservative on the doorstep, dealing with problems, dealing with the local community, will have an impact because there are floating voters who will say, yes, that person proves that the Conservatives can do the job or proves they can't. And therefore, yes, it makes a difference. And those Conservative MPs want to be supported, assisted, helped, by local councillors on whom they can rely. And there's no doubt that those sitting MPs will now want to have sitting councillors behind them. Yeah, and you talk talk about, you know, places that haven't had um, Tory MPs, and you're quite right, because, you know, Alex Stafford in his Rover Valley seat, I think he's the first Conservative MP to hold um, that seat since it was created, and, you know, a long time ago, and... Um, it was Labour's Caroline Flint in Don Valley before that, and she was an MP for a long, long time. Yes. So, absolutely, you're, you're and quite a friend right. of mine, actually. Yes, really. <laughs> yes, I got on very well with Caroline. Uh, there we go. Well, she's back. I spoke. I had her on the podcast a few weeks ago, so you're in yes. good company. Like, <laughs> um, and you know, I think I'm in. I'm particularly interested as well in where Labour is targeting because, like we said at the start. This does feel quite expectation management-y from both sides. Neither are really saying where they might be targeting. Have you got any kind of intel on what Labour might be up to in Yorkshire? The interesting thing about Yorkshire is that most of the elections are based on 2016. Mm -hmm. Whereas in other parts of the country, you've got a combination of, you've either got county councils, which are 2017, or you've got county councils and district councils, which would be 2017 and 2016. So the Labour Party in West Yorkshire and South Yorkshire are working on 2016. So they have a more difficult defence. Their circumstances are somewhat more, more difficult. The broader issue is that for all the political parties, because there has been no elections even council by-elections, nothing in England, for over a year. People really don't know for certain where their support is. There are ebbs and flows. There may have been objections or support for one thing or another. 
but they actually haven't been meeting people on a day-by-day basis. And one MP, not from Yorkshire, but from uh, across the the Pennines, said to me (laughs) the other day, he said, meeting the people is so different from looking at my inbox. And the contrast is enormous for all MPs and councillors of different political persuasions. So the Labour Party are in a difficult position. They probably are more defensive in Yorkshire than elsewhere because they haven't got anything in 2017 to attack. And because they don't know what to to defend Hmm. and they don't know where the Lib Dems are going to be stronger or not, because one has to remember that the Lib Dems are currently polling against general election level, one half or two thirds of what they were getting at the general election. Hmm. The Lib Dems concentrate on local government, so you can say those are traditional Lib Dem wards, wherever they are may, may be. But are the Lib Dems going to suddenly put an effort in in other places? Are they so short of people and so short of time that they actually think, well, we came very close in that ward last time, but we're not actually going to contest it properly this time? Absolutely. And on the Lib Dems, from what I can tell on the ground, Hull is a very important kind of area for them. They're really looking to take, well, what they're saying is take some scalps um, in these elections of kind of major cabinet um, portfolio holders in the council there. They really think they can take control of that. Their view is, is that Labour is really concentrating on this one ward where there are just two Conservative councillors, but they're the only Conservative councillors in Hull. They and they think you know that they can, they they're taking their eye off the ball and they can um, get them out out that way and take control of the council. So that will be an interesting one to watch as well. I I, I think I, I was feeling guilty when I was talking just now about only referring to Western South Yorkshire. Very conscious that I hadn't forgotten Hull, <laughs> um, and in part because, as you say, it is an interesting location. Uh, the the Labour Party have a relatively small majority. If the Lib Dems do well in two or three Labour seats, and as you say, there's the two Tory councillors um, who have held on for a very long time, or Tories, whether it's those councillors or not. Um, so they're going to be difficult to move, but they could be moved. Yeah. Um, so Hull is an interesting location in terms of control. No question about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to come back in a minute to particularly the West Yorkshire mayoral race, because that's a new election for us this year. But first, I just want to have a quick chat about Hartlepool, because last week we had uh, Thelma Walker on the podcast, who um, I was going to say is standing for the Northern Independence Party, but they didn't get their registration in time. So um, isn't, but is. Um, so, but how how much air do you think Hartlepool is taking out of the focus on the local elections? It is clearly taking a fair amount. And as you've had the expectation management from the different parties on local government, you've had this position uh, in Hartlepool of an opinion poll which says the Conservatives are going to win and win clearly. Um, And the Conservatives then saying, but this isn't a Conservative seat and Conservative governments or governments don't gain by election there have only been three instances of a sitting government gaining a parliamentary seat uh, from the opposition since the Second World War. 
interestingly enough, one of them was actually in Yorkshire, in Brighouse and Spember in 1960. Mm -hmm. But that gives you an indication of how long ago. And the Labour Party are saying, oh, it's difficult, etc. It's a Brexit-oriented seat. So it is taking attention away, and that's right, because it is significant as a contest. But at the same time, one of the most interesting elections anywhere in the country is Teesside mayorality. And you've there got Ben Hoochen, uh, Conservative, who would never have won in any other year than 2017. He won in a freak set of circumstances. And the opinion polls are nowhere near the level of Tory support that there were in, that was in 2017. Mm. And yet the Labour Party are saying, oh, well, the Conservatives will hold Teesside mayor. Uh, I think it is a combination of genuine fear that he might well do and also um, a fear that that message then gets through and damages their argument about making progress because Teesside has been so clearly Labour territory until 2017. Yeah, absolutely. Teesside is so interesting, obviously just over the border for us, but I've uh, you know been on visits there with various politicians and people recognise Ben Houchen in the street and they shout at him. He's like a celeb around there. It's absolute madness. I've never seen anything like it with a politician in my life. Um, you know, politicians are used to getting shouted out on the street, I'm sure, but not, not always for positive reasons. In my time, I was an MP and a rugby referee and I got shouted at on the pitch for being <laughs> a bad referee and an MP. But, you know, but no, I, I, you're, you're absolutely right. He has actually managed to create a brand in the same way, interestingly enough, that Boris Johnson did in London. Yeah. It was not necessarily a political brand. Although you're running as a conservative, there are there's a lot of people who just think he's been a very good mayor for Teesside. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that brings us on nicely, actually, to talk about West Yorkshire, because I think the experience with... Ben Houchen really shows the difference that having a mayor can make. And, you know, we're big supporters of devolution at the Yorkshire Post and um, we think it's we think it's really important. And West Yorkshire is um, lucky enough to be getting its own Metro mayor these elections. And it's, a, it's an interesting race, right, for me, because all the all the bookies have put Tracy Brave in for Labour right out in front. I'm interested to see what will happen with the Conservative candidate, Matt Robinson, because I'm not sure he's quite as much as an outside chance as everyone thinks he is because of all the reasons we've spoken about today, that these are unpredictable elections. What are, what are your thoughts? I, I think people have got caught by the rise of the Conservatives in the opinion polls. Mm. It is completely abnormal that any government is leading by probably 6 to 8% when they've been in government for a decade. And that is the position. And, of course, the rise of the Conservatives has been in recent weeks. So it's quite striking. It's newsworthy. But West Yorkshire, if you put it together and look at Bradford and Leeds and Kirklees and Calderdale and Wakefield, um, it is essentially Labour territory. And rather like the Tories and Labour were stunned by the victory in Teesside in 2017, it may it would be an absolute shock 
if the Conservatives won this mayorality. And even with the lead that the Tories have in the opinion polls, it's got to go somewhat further. I would be astonished if Tracy Brabin were not declared the first holder of the post at whatever point the count is completed on Friday, <laughs> Saturday, Sunday or Monday. I'll tell you now it's Sunday because I am working for it. <laughs> so um, it, it's going to be on the Sunday. <laughs> it, well, they may start it on the Sunday. The question will be whether they finish it on the Sunday. Oh, don't course, tell me that. <laughs> as you and I know, that whenever the count finishes, and I wish you well that it does, and I also wish me well, because that's another result I'll have dealt with on the day it's due. But, of course, that then means uh, that there will be a by-election in West Yorkshire at some stage in the few weeks after that, because Tracy mm. Brabin has said that she will be standing down as a Member of Parliament. Absolutely, and there's a really interesting uh, bit of election geekery in that, actually, because the West Yorkshire mayor position encompasses the police and crime commissioner role, yes. which is why Tracy will have to stand down. You cannot be both an MP and a police and crime commissioner. Um, whereas, you know, the difference over in South Yorkshire, for example, before now has been that Dan Jarvis didn't have the PCC powers. Yes. So could up until uh, very recently be both. Um, but who knows what he's going to do? That's a, that's a, a discussion for another day. Um, yes, a by-election in Batley and Spen will, of course, be really interesting. There's a lot of emotion tied up in that seat, of course, because of the tragic murder of Joe Cox in in, in that seat. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what the different parties do for that, because, you know, it's it, it has been it has been Labour held. I wonder how much resource the Conservatives will put into fighting that scene. I think they'll put in quite a lot. And of course, not only have you got the tragic murder, but you've also got more recently, or currently, the whole question of Batley Grammar School and the um, Charlie Hebdo cartoon and the involvement of one of the lead people, as I understand it, in the demonstrations is related to the leader of Kirkley's council. Mm -hmm. I think brother of or something like that. I'm, you can correct me. But it, so there's going to be a, a really high profile issue, which is unlikely to go away at the point when the election is the by-election is held, if your and my expectations are matched over Tracy Brabin's victory. But um, so you're going to find it a very it, more interesting election than most. By-elections are always interesting. And you're talking to the person who holds the record for the largest anti-government swing ever, <laughs> ever, uh, in any election in this country. Uh, the Christchurch by-election some two and a half decades ago. There we go. Absolutely. And so you know, you know that it, it, you, know, you can never, you can never tell. <laughs> and Batley and Spain will be an interesting by-election. And I, there's no question the Conservatives will put an effort into it. Absolutely. Now, look, Robert, before I let you go, because I do know that you're very busy, I do have to ask you, I spoke earlier about my election night traditions, which is basically yeah, a giant bag of Haribo, usually a pizza around or maybe 3am um, and a lot of coffee. What are yours? Well, normally I 
work at Conservative Central Office analysing the election results on the Thursday night through to when they broadly stop coming in at about three o'clock in the morning, or even if they don't, they taper off. I will dash home, normally have two and a half hours sleep maximum, and then on the way back into Conservative Central Office to look at the new sets of results that are coming up on Friday morning, I normally go via the TV and radio studios with an independent hat on and do an independent analysis of uh, the, uh, the results. And I hope I move from one to the other uh, very well. The fact that people keep asking me back is probably an indication that I do. Um, and the interesting thing is I'm already booked on Friday morning uh, to do appearances uh, at Sky. And um, I, despite the fact that we'll have no results. Uh, <laughs> so we will be doing a speculation post the close of polls uh, first thing on Friday morning and before most ballot boxes have been opened. Yeah, absolutely. And no doubt you'll have people like me on the phone as well. So yeah. <laughs> we always yeah, appreciate I move, I, I, I quite regularly in, in CCHQ, I move away from uh, the table where I work um, uh, to some side corridor or something. Uh, and again, uh, and Conservative Central Office know that I'm doing this kind of independent analysis. Um, and it is it is interesting, but I automatically talk switch from talking using the Conservatives we when I'm talking about the Conservative Party. It's quite funny. I just do talk about they instantaneously. <laughs> but having been a referee for many, many years at rugby, trying to be impartial between two difficult sides is something that I'm probably well practiced at. Uh, well, we find it invaluable. Um, Robert, thank you so much for coming on Pods and Country. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Pod Zone Country, the Yorkshire Post's political podcast. I've been Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and you can find this podcast wherever you usually find your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, whatever it is, you will find us there. And we find it really helpful if you can take some time to leave us a review, to subscribe, to tell your friends, because it really does help to boost us in the charts. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>